From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. We got through verse 13. Uh, if you'll remember, in verse 13, it was at the very end here, in verse 13, and it says, And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the third day. So basically, where we are is up to Genesis 1, verse 13. And what we've learned so far is that uh, the days of creation, day one, God creates the heavens and the earth, and it's light and it's dark. But there's no sun yet, there's no moon yet, there's no stars yet. So it's like, how can it be light and dark? And I equate this to Einstein's equation of, um, you know, his relativity equation, E equals mc squared, where E is energy and m is mass and c is the speed of light. So in my brain, the way I look at this is that in day one, God created mass he created energy and he created time. Basically, out of nothing, ex nihilo, um, out of nothing, ex nihilo, which is the Latin word for out of nothing, um, he, he spoke and all of a sudden creation comes into being. Uh, mass or matter comes into being, right? Somehow you have to change, the, you have to change, uh, you know, neutrons and electrons and all that and protons and you have to create matter uh, and then you create uh, energy because you have to have energy to make the world work and you have to, and that's when time begins and time doesn't begin in a vacuum where there's nothing, there is no such thing as time because time is the vibration of the world around you, right? Time and matter are interjoined and if, it's, if it is a vacuum of space, infinitely big with nothing in it, there is no time because there's no, there's nothing to mark time. There's no reason for time. Now we think, uh, you know, in human terms of what that would be like, because we have a measure of time and we know what time is for our viewpoint and how it is for us. But at the beginning, there was, there is no concept of time because time doesn't exist. Uh, and so God, who is timeless can move in and out of time whenever he wants to. He is a timeless person. Uh, and so he he does not exist. Uh, he, he can exist outside of time, which is an amazing thing. Just think about that. Because we have to have mass, we have to have energy and time in order for us to exist. God can exist outside of what we even know about. God is unknowable. Uh, it, God is... God is outside of our existence. He's outside of everything we can even comprehend as our existence. And he is out there. Anything that cannot be explained by math and science and physics and all that, that's God, all right? So um, so that happened on day one. Day one was the heavens and the earth, or light and dark, and it's the whole mass energy time. Uh, and uh, then in day two, God created the sky, uh, basically, uh, you know, everything was out form and void. Uh, the, the, you know, the planet existed uh, as some form at that point. And God then started to separate the waters from the waters and created this canopy uh, around the matter, which is the earth, uh, to create an atmosphere. And then outside of the atmosphere, then you go and it's back to, you know, back to no energy. There's no matter and mass up there. So you're you're back to... 
you know, a vacuum or a void until you get to other planets and things like that. But that all compresses around the Earth and you get the sky, basically you get the atmosphere around. So that was on day two. And then on day three, God creates the land and the seas. So basically uh, you have the sky now and then you have the water kind of forming and he separates the water from the water and it starts to gather together uh, with the mass of the earth which creates a gravitational force and that gravitational force then starts to suck everything that it possibly can uh, closest to the center of the earth. So you know, basically it, you get all the waters kind of going to the low spots and then you have the land rising up around the, around the high spots. And so you end up basically with, at this point, you now have the building block of the earth. You have, you have land, you have atmosphere with oxygen and nitrogen, and you have sunlight, well, yeah, you have sunlight. Um, you know, you have radiation. I guess you could say it's radiation from the universe around coming into the earth, uh, but, but it's not enough radiation yet to support life. It's just radiation. So you've got... You've got radiation, you've got sky, you've got lands and seas. That's where we left it yesterday. So now we are going to go and see what happens and what gets created next. So we're going to start reading at Genesis 1, beginning at verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was the fourth day. So here we are on day four. God then creates the stars, right? The matter, the mass from creation that has been... And it, you, it's okay to say if you want to that there was this, this explosion of God, uh, this big bang, if you will, uh, where he creates energy, and he can, creates mass, and he creates time. And it all starts to go out, and then it starts to form uh, into stars, and uh, then it forms our star, which is the sun. Uh, and then outside of our planet, we get a moon, which is traveling around planet Earth. And all of this gets done in day four. It kind of coalesces in day four, where you have the sun, you have the moon, you have the stars, and um, now we have a Earth that is actually now fit for life. We've got uh, the sun, which is absolutely necessary for light. You need that radiation coming in. It needs to be a strong radiation. You've got the sun and the moon, and it says here that it was created to mark the sacred times, all right? So the sun and the moon, which are both, so the moon travels around the earth, and the earth travels around the sun. And all of that traveling and that, that orbit and that regular time, right, is now put into place so that we have not only seconds and days and years, but we actually have a way to mark the seconds and the days and the years, right? Once around the sun is a year, and the moon goes around the earth about every 28 days. Um, and so now with this, 
we as humans can just simply look in the sky and find out is it day, is it night, is it a new day? We, have a, we now have a way to regulate the earth. We now have a way to create uh, patterns in life that work for our human existence. We may get into that. Um, and, and we have the moon which travels around the earth which creates patterns. Uh, we have spring, we have fall, we have winter. All of this is created. Now, now the sun is er, you know, orbiting around the, uh, around the sun and, and you have a cold time in the winter and you have a hot time in the summer. Or if you live in Vail, Arizona, you have a hot time and a hotter time in the summer. Because <laughs> um, we live in Arizona where it's very hot all the time. Uh, but now we have in day four, we have sun, we have moon, we have stars, we have atmosphere, we have land, we have water. So we're ready. We're now ready to move beyond the fourth day. Uh, and so what happens in the fourth day is we move to the fifth day. Uh, so yeah, so we have days of creation. Day one, heavens and earth. Day two is sky. Day three is land and sea. And day four is sun, moon, and star. Now we're going to go to day five. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning and there was the fifth day. So on day five, God creates the fish and he creates the birds, right? So now we have fish in the seas and we have birds in the air. And um, this is the first sign that we have, right, of life coming onto the earth. And this life that God creates uh, is an amazing life. It's the birds of the air and it's the fish of the sea. Um, and every great you know, fish of the sea uh, was created. Every great bird of the air was created. Um, and uh, many, many, many of those species are still existing today. Some uh, existed a while ago. We don't know, you know what happened to them. We may get into that also. But now we're in day five, uh, which is... Uh, let's see. Yeah, so day five is the fish and the birds. And then we get to day six. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestocks, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all, creature, all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So we get to Genesis day uh, six, uh, and God creates the animals. He creates the animals and he creates man. Uh, so he says, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. So it's like the land produces the, the creatures, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the, the worms, the bugs, the, the crickets, you know, the cockroaches, everything comes out. And then the wild animals. So you can see that the earth is now teeming with everything because we have an atmosphere, we have sunlight, we have regulation of time, we've got water, we've got land, uh, we've got fish, we've got birds, and now we can have animals. And so we have the animals that, um, that come out and God created the animals. Uh, that includes, includes the cows and the oxens and every animal you can possibly m imagine. Uh, and then God creates mankind. And God says he creates mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God creates now man in his image. Uh, and we know that when God became flesh to dwell among us, when he came, he, he took the form of Jesus uh, and he was born in Bethlehem and lived with us and died and rose again. We just celebrated that. But when God uh, wanted to express himself as part of his creation, as part of our creation, the highest pinnacle of creation is mankind. And that's the shape and form that God takes. And so we are created in the image and the likeness of God. So that means a whole lot of different things, folks. It means that God creates, that, that mankind is the pinnacle of creation. And we are as close to God uh, in this creation that God creates. Mankind is as close an image to God as you can have. We have a mind, an incredible mind. Uh, we have the ability to love. We have the ability to be in relationship with each other. We have the ability to speak. We have the ability to form thoughts. We have the ability to, um, to do things that, that uh, other animals are not able to do. We are the pinnacle of creation. And God made us that way. We're made in his likeness. And he told us that we rule over everything. We rule, rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, the wild animal. Because we are the, the pivot, the pinnacle of creation, we have rule and reign over everything of creation. And then God gave us uh, everything. He said, you know, he, he created us and then he blessed everything. But then he told us, so uh, I want to go back to this because well, I want to look at verse 27 in, in ver uh, verse 28. So look at verse 28 with me. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then he gives us the seed-bearing plants and all that sort of thing. But I just want you to see that. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. So part of creation is that God wants us to increase in number. And um, 
And that has always been a part of creation. Uh, and I find it interesting. Uh, this is a kind of a philosophical thing. I, I find it interesting that God wants us to continue to increase in number and to fill the earth and subdue it. Um, we'll find out in Genesis 2 that, that, that creation in the Garden of Eden is, is between the Tigris and the Euphrates in the Middle East, right? It's, it's, that's where the cradle of civilization is. And if you even look through history, the cradle of civilization appears to have come in that area. It's certainly not out of the question that the cradle of civilization would come out of that area. So this is where life begins. And it kind of moves beyond there and it moves into the whole world. Uh, and we are supposed to fill and we're supposed to subdue the whole world. And the question that we always run into was how much should we fill and how much should we subdue the, uh, subdue the earth? Because at some point, somebody in history is going to come along and say, uh, we, can't, we can't create any more. We can't increase in number. We can't do any of this because... Uh, we're all sitting around these two apple trees and that pear tree and that plum tree and that pecan tree. And that's all the food that we have. And if we get more, then we will never have enough food to, to survive. And so now there's a competition for food. There's a competition for water. There's a competition for land. There's a competition for space. And human beings, for whatever reason, live in this mindset. And we always have that there's not enough. And that if we continue to grow and populate and do things uh, in the trajectory that we say that we're going to, you know, that the scientists say, you know, right now we're at 7 billion people. What happens where we're at 70 billion people or 170 billion people or a trillion people? How can we, how can the earth possibly sustain all that life? Uh, and so we live in a mindset of scarcity. But from the very beginning, as I read it, God says, continue to be fruitful and increase in numbers and subdue the earth. Um, the reason why we can grow to 7 billion people on the planet today is because we have subdued the earth. We've understood as we've grown as a species, right? As we've grown as mankind and as we've investigated the world around us, as we've learned around the, about the world around us, we've learned that we now know things about the earth that we didn't know. We know about agriculture. We know about watering. We know about fertilizing. We know about how producing fruit uh, and food. Uh, we know about diseases and things like that. We know so much about the earth. We're subduing it. As a matter of fact, I would say that everything that man has done since creation at some level has been subduing the earth. It's been learning about his creation and subduing it, learning it. Uh, what are the processes that make it work? How do things work? How can we improve the process so that we can continue to be fruitful and increase and multiply? I even wonder, and this is a big philosophical discussion, but I even wonder at some point, will we subdue uh, Einstein's equation of energy equals mass times light squared, right? Will we understand how to travel to different planets? Will we understand how to travel to different solar systems? I mean, we think right now <clears throat> with our 7 billion people that, that if we get to 10 billion, that we're done for, right? That, that it's all over. But imagine if you were Adam and Eve sitting in the Garden of Eden 
or, or not even Adam and Eve. Let's say you're the tribe of Adam and Eve. You're, you're 50 people or 100 people, and you're living in this paradise called the Middle East, right, between the Tigris and the Euphrates. And you see how many plants and trees are out there. And you say to yourself, you know, we can't get any bigger. What happens if we get bigger? What happens if we get to 500 people? We'll never survive. There's not enough, there's not enough plants and foods where we are here. And then somebody probably had the brilliant idea, well, what happens if we cross over the Tigris and the Euphrates? Is there food beyond the Tigris and the Euphrates? And some brave soul, right, crossed over and saw that there was another place where there was food uh, and then another place and another place. And, uh, you know, we started spreading out and we started subduing the earth and we started learning about how to subdue the earth and how the earth works yeah, and, and at some point we got to a million people on the planet and 10 million people and 100 million and a billion and 7 billion today. And it works. It works because we've subdued the earth. We understand how things work. But my friends, we could, I, we could possibly be, um, I, I mean, it just boggles the mind to absolutely think about it. But is it possible that we could subdue time and space in such a matter that we could figure out travel to other planets that look like Earth, other crossing the Euphrates and the, and the Tigris. And the Tigris. Um, is, that, is that the plan that God has for us, right? <laughs> is it just this Earth and the Earth is it? Or will we learn scientific things that we can't even think about today that allows us to even be, go beyond our own little solar system? And I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I do know that we're supposed to pursue it. We're supposed to subdue and rule over the earth and subdue it. Um, it may be that this earth is it. Uh, and when we've subdued it, we've done everything we're supposed to do, that Jesus comes again and it's over. But it may be that at some point we figure out things that allow us to move beyond earth and the solar system. I don't know. I also know that um, right now we have the, every green plant is for food. So the sun, the energy from the sun comes in and it creates photosynthesis in the plants and the photosynthesis in the plants creates carbon-based food and we eat the carbon-based food and it fills us uh, and then we, we can grow. All we need is food and water, right? Water we already see and the food comes from the green plants. Um, in, the, in the human body, there's 20 basic amino acids, which are the building blocks. We can get all those amino acids from different plant sources. Uh, and so you could live off of plants if you wanted to. You need vitamins and minerals. You need, uh, you need amino acids, which, come, which can come from plants. And, uh, and that's basically all you need in life, right? You need plant food and you need water. Uh, and with that, you can sustain life. Uh, you, you need the vitamins and, min and minerals that are, that are, you know, brought into the plants. We'll find out later on in Genesis that then at, at some point God allows us to start eating the meat, uh, to eat the, the animals. And so that happens later. But at this point, it's just the, it's just the, the plants. And that's all it is. There are three things that you, that we eat. Um, we eat fats, we eat carbohydrates. Uh, right now we eat fats, right? But back then it was it was just mostly carbohydrates, some flat, some plant-based fat, uh, and um, uh, so you have water, you have carbohydrates, and you have fats, and you have proteins, right? Um, and the proteins come from the plants, the carbohydrates come from the plants, 
uh, and the fats can come from the plants. When you eat carbohydrates uh, in our body, the carbohydrates join together with water uh, and it metabolizes. Some of it goes into the bloodstream. If we have extra of it, then it goes into fat stores of our body. Uh, if there are no plant-based foods, if we have no, if we're in a situation where there's not enough food, uh, then we shut off the carbohydrates uh, plant source. We shut off all food sources and we can live actually off of the fat that's stored in our body. Uh, and that's a very healthy way to actually live. Uh, fasting for 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours or whatever. Changing your body mechanism from plant, from carbohydrate and you know that fast energy to the slow burning fat energy. Some people, I being one of them, believe that's a very, very healthy thing to do periodically, which is why I fast periodically. Um, but that's how we're created. It's a perfect system. It's a perfect, it, I mean, you couldn't have designed anything more incredible than that. We, we, uh, when, we, when we get hurt and injured, we heal, right? The skin closes up over the healing of the, of the injury. The food that we have has medicinal properties in it. I mean, at this point, we are, we're living in, in the garden. We're living, at, we're living at the pinnacle of creation where everything we need for life is surrounded. We've got, we've got sunshine, we've got water, we've got food, uh, a temperate climate. So we, you know, we, we, we just, we're just loving life. It, God created us, uh, I believe, to live in this kind of situation where we live outside and in the garden and fresh air and fresh oxygen and fresh nitrogen and all that. I mean, it's just wonderful, absolutely wonderful part of creation. Um, and then, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and finish this. I think let's see what's next. So we have day one, heavens, heavens and earth. Day two is sky, land and seas. Day four is sun, moon, stars. Day five is fish and birds. Day six is animals and man. Uh, and then, um, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of the creation that he had done. So we can see on the seventh day that God rests. So he does all this and then he rests. I, um, I wanted to go back and just look because uh, God studied all made and it was six good and it was, yeah. So, so basically we're now at the seventh day and we rest. And rest is so important. Um, God even built it into creation that there should be a time of rest. Um, man, I'll, I'll get into that tomorrow. I'm going to write myself a note about rest and why. And then we'll talk about that tomorrow. And then we'll get into uh, the second creation story, uh, which is kind of more focused on man. Uh, and what man does, and what uh, what God's why God created man, uh, and how we were created, uh, and so that that'll come tomorrow. Uh, so uh, we finished Genesis one, and started into Genesis two. But um, this is really, really, I just love this stuff. I love Genesis, and I love spending this time together. Uh, but would you join me in prayer? Oh dear God, what a great creation you've made. Uh, you have made all the plants and the animals and habitat for us to live in, and you made it all very, very good. Uh, on the sixth day at the end, you said it was very good, uh, and it is very good. It's created for our enjoyment. It's created for our life. Uh, thank you so much for the creation that you surround us with. Thank you for life. 
uh, and the ability to live the life that you've created us for. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.